0: On Tuesday night, we had the privilege of hearing from Gary Wilkerson, who leads World Challenge. For those that don't know, this church over 30 years ago was founded by David Wilkerson, the author of The Cross and the Switchblade. And his son preached here and has succeeded his father in leading World Challenge. And what a and tremendous... Gary has been here from the very beginning, and we were rehearsing old memories. We started a church together in Detroit, and we were talking about... Um, the time that we flew to england together gary and i we we almost at least i did almost went with gary and kelly to start a church in london england after we started the detroit church but god had other plans and while we were there my mind was brought back to a moment in an old bookstore in london england that i found two things i well I, I want to give two names here that some of you uh, will not be familiar with, or the younger folks won't be familiar with, maybe neither of them. The first thing is I found a cassette. I'm not sure if you know what a cassette is today. Um, who knows what a cassette tape is? I just want to make sure. Okay, half of you. So a cassette is, um, is a very, it doesn't have a lot of memory like, <laughs> like a hard drive. It's just we, and I found these cassette sermons. Here's a second name for you. That I didn't even know existed by an old preacher whose books have influenced my life, and the man's name was A. W. Tozer, and it was his preaching sermons. I only there was only three of them there. It was behind. It was on a shelf, right before the cashier. Before we left, I'll throw a third name out uh, thing out to you. When when I took those cassettes from A. W. Tozer, I put them in. Here it comes. A Sony Walkman, and I started to listen to those. How many remember a Sony Walkman? I just want to make all those that have cassettes. I'll never forget listening into that sermon. It was called "The Dove Found No Resting Place for the Sole of Her Foot." The Dove Found No Resting Place from the Sole of Her Foot. Tozer spoke from the about the Genesis flood and the first thing that Noah did when the flood subsided, was he sent a dove out of the ark. And it was from this verse, it says in Genesis 8, 8, that he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. And then he says this in verse 9, but the dove, and here comes the title, found no resting place for the sole of her foot. so we returned him to the ark, for the water was on the surface of all the earth. This is what a W Tozer said. He said that the dove represents the Holy Spirit. You see that all throughout the New Testament when the dove, the Holy Spirit began to come upon Jesus at his baptism. And then he asked this question, why did the dove come back to the ark? And this is what Tozer said. He said, because there was no place to land because there was dead flesh everywhere with dead bodies and dead flesh. The dove could not find a home on flesh or on dead flesh. Doves can't land on dead things. They need to be alive. That's why the second time it went out, it brought back a living piece of of olive branch. And I believe it's the same today. The Holy Spirit can't land on a dead spirit. It can't land on dead things. God's spirit can only come when there is life. If there's no life there, then what we're doing is working in our own strength and out of our own, out of our own uh, gift, but not the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when I listen to that message, I ask God, let my heart always be a place where the Holy Spirit can come. Let my heart, let there be no dead thing, let there not be anything that I let live there that is old and dead and the flesh, but may the Holy Spirit always find a place to land on me that whether I'm whether I'm preaching or whether I'm speaking whether I'm leaving my family or whether I'm just being a husband I want to be a place that the Holy Spirit can always land it happened at a church event some time ago it was a Christmas party that we were attending that a friend won a Christmas tree at the end because the party was over and they didn't want to take all the decorations And my friend who won the Christmas tree did not need a second Christmas tree in their home because it was only a few days away from Christmas. And someone at this party simply said to the person, they said, Look, there is a price tag on the tree. Just return it. They've already used it. Just return it and get the money back. That was the suggestion from one Christian to another. The next day, I was at an AT&T store. We were purchasing a phone, and a person from the church worked there and said, you can use my 20% discount. I asked, do they let you use it for friends? Their response was, don't worry about it. I didn't worry about it, but I was bothered by it and didn't do it. It wasn't a huge discount, and a big discount or a small discount doesn't determine whether it's doable. Understand something. Big discounts doesn't mean it's Simply illegal in small discounts doesn't mean it's the blessing of God either. But why did this little 20% discount bother me? Why did the why the, why to return something that you that you bought to use and then you're going to return it? Why would you Why would you leave price tags on clothing and then return it after you wore it? I knew that would get somebody in this place. I want to tell you about David's journey. From shepherd to king, in one of the classrooms that God puts him, put him in and a classroom that God keeps me in all the time. And I want to walk you through something today. David is anointed as the next king of Israel in 1 Samuel 16. It's 1024 BC. And that's an important date because David takes the throne as king in second Samuel chapter 5 in 1003 BC. That means from the time David is told he would be the next king to the moment he puts on the crown is literally more than 20 years. And most of those 20 years, David is being hunted by Saul. And that's where our story takes place today. Some refer to that season as David fleeing from Saul. I refer to this time as God's school so the dove can find a place on David to land. That God was going to begin to remove anything that doesn't look like him. So the Holy Spirit can land on David. And that season was God's school for him. The Holy Spirit can land on honesty. The Holy Spirit can land on humility. The Holy Spirit can land on integrity and brokenness and forgiveness. The Holy Spirit cannot land when there's bitterness or slander. He can't land where there's dishonesty or anything else. He's always looking for a resting place. He's always looking for a spot to come. Just because there's a pulpit here doesn't mean, listen, there's pulpits all over the world, but just because there's a pulpit on 51st and Broadway doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit lands here if the heart's not right. He's got to land where he sees that there's life there. And the story in 1 Samuel 24 has affected me. Saul knows David is going to become the next king, and he's doing whatever he can to make sure that doesn't happen. He is now hunting him down with 3,000 men. And while David is running for his life, while on the run, something happens in a cave that is one of those stories that has challenged me and has kept me in a school of God for literally decades after reading the story and asking God, please don't take your spirit from me, Psalm 51. While Saul is searching for David, he has to make... He has to make a restroom stop and goes into a cave to make a restroom stop. And who, but of all people, is in that cave? You ready for this? David and 400 men are hiding in the restroom stop. Listen to what happens. First Samuel chapter 24. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks, of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds, the Bible says, on the way where there was a cave. Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. This is 400 men that are hiding in the cave. And the men said to him, behold, this is the day, 20% off. This is the discount for you. Of which the Lord said to you, behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose, cut the edge of Saul's robe secretly. It came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him because he cut off the edge of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. Now, church, just listen for a moment. David cuts the edge of Saul's robe. Not a lot of it. Like I said, maybe Not even 20%, just a tiny bit, an edge, a tiny bit. And immediately the Bible says, and afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off, here comes the edge, a tiny spot of Saul's robe. He is, don't miss this, he is bothered by the edge. He is bothered by this little clipping that he takes off. And immediately, God strikes his conscience. When I read the story, there is another word that I want to connect to this. And it's a huge word for such a little spot on a robe, a little edge that I began to think through. And it's this word integrity. Integrity gets bothered by little things. Integrity gets bothered by little things. What, what's integrity? This is a good question because some people don't understand this. It's interesting to me that we get the word integer from integrity, which means, it actually means not a fraction. It's a whole number. It's a, it's a word that means wholeness. Or let me put, put it to you this way that all parts of you are all in. That's what integrity is. Every part is all in. It's not integrity at the church, but everywhere. It's not integrity on Sundays for 90 minutes, but every time, whether you're alone or you're in a crowd, in a cave, at a Christmas tree, or you're at a cell phone store, God calls for integrity from all of us. First Corinthians chapter one says it like this. What happens to us when the grace of God hits us? I thank my God always concerning for you, the Apostle Paul says, for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus. You ready for this? That in everything you were enriched in him. Do you know what that means? Everything means every part is on the table with God. It means no matter where I'm at, every part gets touched by him. I was reading Patrick Morley's book called I Surrender and he says this, 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 this convicting thing when he says, we think we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. You can't have a change in belief without a change in behavior. That when God touches us, he doesn't just forgive us but he goes after the spots that the Holy Spirit goes, I can't land there unless I deal with those areas that are there. And he goes after those things inside of us. You can't have revival without character reformation. You can't you can't have the dove land when there's areas that God goes. It's it's whole. It's everything. You're enriched, and I'm going to go after that. I'm not a golfer, but I was so taken by this story of one of the most famous golfers. Bobby Jones is considered to be one of the history's best golfers, but. And and he won 13 majors, retired at 28 years old, and was the first golfer to win four majors in a year. But more of this was a story that took place. Bobby Jones is famous for a one-shot penalty. One-shot penalty in the 1925 U.S. Open. He inadvertently touched the golf ball, which is a penalty, and he assessed himself a one-stroke penalty. But here's what's crazy. No one saw him touch the ball. Not a tournament official, not his playing partner, and not even the gallery for where the location of the ball was. Bobby Jones could have just kept on playing and never said anything, but he wouldn't violate his contract. He was bothered by the edge. He incest himself a one-stroke penalty. You ready for this? And lost the U.S. Open by one stroke. One stroke. Because on that day, Jones could have won the tournament but lost his integrity. On that day, you could have held a trophy, but something inside of you died. Always remember this. When we lie, something dies. When we lie, something dies. Don't mistake it. What could die? Integrity can die. Character can die. Sensitivity could die. But on that day, instead of hoisting up a trophy, instead of winning a tournament, the U.S. Open, he won integrity that day. I love What Tozer went on to say on that message, he says, go to church once a week and nobody pays attention, but serve God seven days a week and you become a strange person to everyone in this world. No one thinks anything about you because you go to church, but let church infiltrate every area of your life. I'm telling you, folks, we become standouts, even even on a golf course. What does the edge mean to us? What is that edge that David cut off that robe? What does the edge mean to us? I I kept looking at this. It's the small stuff that you think doesn't matter. It's the small dishonesties. It's the small compromises. It's the small challenges to cut the corners, to lie on a job application, an immigration form, a scholarship application to gain an advantage on an apartment application because we've got to make sure that when Jesus touches our life, it's not just for Sunday. It's for every single day when he touches us. That's what God comes to do. I remember Cindy coming home a few years ago and her finance background, whether we're in a restaurant or whether we're in a mall. Always checks the receipt and goes line by line like an accountant every single time. And this time she got back from Target and she looked at the receipt and says, I wasn't charged for two items. It was two articles of clothing. Folks, it added up to $16. You would have to drive, park and use gas. Seriously, 16 bucks. It was just a little bit of a corner. And in fact, Target has a lot of money. They're not gonna miss $16. Cindy drove back, paid the $16, because she wasn't gonna hoist up two items and said, we stuck it to the man. She'd rather keep her integrity at that moment and make the drive back. Do you understand something? Jot this down. Real integrity is doing the right thing knowing that nobody's going to know whether you did it or not. That's what real integrity is. Real integrity is doing the right thing knowing that nobody's going to know whether you did it or not. But here's an important question I want to ask you today. Those that are sitting in the balcony, those that are watching online, I want you to listen, Philippines. I want you to listen, Sri Lanka, South Africa, South Sudan. When was the last time you were bothered by the edge? When was the last time You were bothered by the edge. When was the last time you were convicted by something little? When was the last time? See, see, I believe this. A real revival brings two things. It brings the conversion of the lost, and I believe it brings conviction to the saved. Let me say that again. When a revival is real, it's not just bringing the lost to be saved. Some of you are going like, this is amazing every Sunday. I think last Sunday we saw over 100 people become born again. I think it was 102. I can't remember. I may be missing up weeks. It's amazing. But that's not revival if only the lost is being saved. It is also God convicting those of us who are saved. It's God beginning to bring a sensitivity to the Spirit. R.T. Kendall's preached a few weeks ago on a Tuesday night about the sensitivity of the Spirit. This is a sensitivity to the Spirit. The lost feel a need to be born again, and the saved feel a new sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That's why I love what the Puritan writer Thomas Brooks says. He said, it's better to have a sore conscience than a seared conscience. It's better for the conscience to be constantly be, be, being dealt with by the Holy Spirit. David could have had the arguments in his mind. It's just a tiny piece. It's just a little piece of the robe. Saul would never know about it. I wonder if the men even saw it. And I thought to myself as I'm reading this, how many times have I cut off an edge of someone's character or reputation? Didn't, didn't undress their or, or expose them, but just cut off just a little a little bit so no one would call me out. A Washington DC pastor was telling the story of a meeting I was at. He said he takes a prayer walk every single Saturday through the streets of Washington DC before the services on Sunday. And he says every Saturday he would walk far enough that he'd have to take the bus back and sit on the bus. And he said one Saturday he gave the bus driver the cash for the for the bus ride, but he but he got too much change back. And he Waited until his stop came, hit the bell, stop came, and before he got off the bus, he handed the bus driver back the overage. It was maybe an extra 75 cents. And the bus driver, he looked at the bus driver and said, here's here's the, you gave me too much change. The bus driver said to him, I know I gave you too much change. I was at your church last Sunday, and I just wanted to see if you were an honest man. give back the change, take back the target shirts. Let's let God affect every single area of our lives. Thank God. He was bothered by the edge. Thank God. He was bothered by it. Another word for bothered. Get this is conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to to follow with me just for a few moments. Conviction is protection for the believer. Conviction is when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it to you like this. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit will not let you take another step forward in peace. Let me say this again. He will not let you take another step forward. Because you're going to have a second slide coming in peace until you have addressed properly what just happens. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit says, stop, don't go any further. I won't let you take another step. You could take it forward, but peace doesn't go forward with you. You may go forward, but peace doesn't go forward until you have properly addressed what has happened. And so the question is this, what do you do when you're bothered? What do you do when you're convicted? Because I believe conviction is felt by those that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Conviction comes. It's like pushing on a spot that you know is painful and God's pushing on a spot. See, conviction also moves us to repair before we go forward. Addressing something before we move forward. And the worst thing to happen is is to walk forward without addressing it. Without beginning to deal, whatever that thing may be. See, even David, after cutting off that little part of his robe, even spoke to his men and said, I shouldn't have done it. Even spoke to it to Saul. Cindy and I and the children, we went down to some place down south. We were It was the winter of Detroit. We were down south. We had a, a week off and went to some hotel, and we were down there away from the Detroit winter and down there. And I'll never forget it was, it was a lesson from God for me. We got to the pool, and while we were there, I looked on a, 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 the lounge chair, and there was this baseball cap. I picked up the baseball cap, and it said National Hockey League, NHL Players Association. I go, this is a player's hat, and he's not here. Somewhere in the Bible, it must say finders Keepers. And I'm looking at this going like, no one claimed this. And then the Holy Spirit, Cindy, spoke to me at that point (laughs) and said, turn it in. They may come back. It doesn't belong to you. And the $16 Target lady told me to take this hat back. I have this strange feeling this wasn't about a hat. I have this strange feeling that God was going. I'm keeping your heart ready so I can land there with the Holy Spirit. Don't sell yourself for something that cheap. And the problem is some of us sitting here, we tell ourselves we would never sell out for adultery. We'll never sell out for this, but we'll sell out for these little dishonesties that is eating away at integrity. It's eating away at the spot where the Holy Spirit wants to land. I, I I believe let me let me just say this. I'm learning this more and more. Beware of leaders starting with me who don't apologize very much. They're starting to lose a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I'm just, I'm talking about me. Beware of people like me. As a leader, if we're not apologizing, this is what I've learned. Small apologies are a good sign of someone sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction. I'm telling you this as husbands, instead of explaining and instead of of defending yourself, apologies is a good moment to say, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That if every time a wife or a spouse has to come going, is this going to become a production? Is this going to get crazy? Just small apologies. I'm so sorry. That was never my intention. I got an email from someone on staff this week that apologized for the tiniest little thing and said, I don't know if you even caught it. This is what went on, and I want to apologize. And folks, I'm just telling you, I wrote back and said, you are a godly man. You're sensitive to the Lord. I said, I never thought about anything you said, but thank you for just modeling sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. See, sin will grow when we are unresponsive to conviction. Let, let me say that again. Chop that down. Sin will grow. It gets stronger When we're unresponsive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I I think my opinion, I think if David doesn't yield to the conviction of a tiny piece of fabric, then folks, let me say it like this. If I if David doesn't yield to conviction for a piece of tiny fabric, he could have easily taken a human life the next time that knife that would have cut fabric could go into someone's heart. And I have this sense that God was going, listen. If you would do that, I've got to go ahead and go after that because I want you to understand. And that's why I think this verse means something to me. Listen to what David says in Psalms. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. You know what David was saying? I'm not just interested on the stuff that comes out. I want to catch it at its root even before it comes out of my mouth because it's easy to repent of this. It's a whole other opportunity when you go after the heart. Because when you go after the heart, you're going after the little edge that's there. But when it comes out, you have left a whole section of carnage that you've got to begin to deal with and apologize for. You will be challenged to cut the edge every single day in the society we live in. It happens in Little League with birth dates to get a competitive edge with 12-year-old kids all the way to the highest level of sports that you could be sitting here or listening. Maybe a family member. That thinks that we can get three more years in MLB if we do human if we do HGH, if we stick a needle in us, that nobody would ever know. Now locker room would never tell on us to money under the table for those that are involved even in in any 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 type of work that someone says, hey, on a Saturday, I'll pay you under the table, and we think we're winning. We think we're hosting a trophy of untaxable cash, while little by little, integrity is being removed from us. Oh, God help us. God help us. I understand. Listen, I don't need you to clap. I don't need you to shout at me. Some of you are going, instead of saying, oh, Jesus, some of you are going like, oh, my goodness, what am I doing here today? This is God getting us ready. This is God going deep in us. We have exchanged, don't miss this church, we have exchanged the word of the one who said, I am the truth. And we live in a society that has adopted a new slogan. It's Pontius Pilate who basically says, what is truth? I want to be on the side of Jesus who says, I am truth. Instead of being part of a society that says, what is truth? This is the challenge Every single day for us. What does this mean for us? Very quickly, why we can't cut corners. Let's go through this. I want to give you three quick things. Here it comes. One after the other. Number one, give serious attention to doing little things the right way. Why? If you cheat in the small things, larger things are not far. If you cheat in the small things, if you cheat on the little discounts, I'm telling you, how, 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 Pastor Tim, how can you say that? I don't say that. Jesus says that. Here's what he says in Luke 16:10. Whoever can be trusted with, a very li- with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever, here it comes, is dishonest with golf, with discounts, will also be dishonest with much. It's God going after integrity. It's God going after being bothered by the edge. Okay, so let me just dig a little bit deeper here. I was thinking about this. Think of this word tithing for a second, which means we give God 10%. It's to do the work of the kingdom. What you saw that we're doing in Oklahoma. Next week, I think, is Romania. The week before that, what we're doing in Israel. All that's happening. That happens because of your generosity. You hear it every single week. It's because there are people here that give tithes and offering. Tithe is 10% offering is above and beyond that. And there's some that sit here that choose to tip instead of tithe. It's like, what do I have in the wallet? Ooh, we're in a church today. Don't put the big bills in. And so what we can easily do is tip instead of tithe. And here's the question. Malachi 3.8 says, when we don't bring the whole tithe into God's house, This is what the Bible says. We're stealing from God. Okay, you ready for this? You're not going to like me. That's why I'm not going to greet people after service. But let me just go ahead and say it. So here it comes. You ready for this? Okay, look at that again. Malachi 3.8 says, if you don't bring the whole tithe in, he says, we're stealing from God. And here's the second part. If you'll steal from God, why wouldn't you steal from others? Folks, it's tithing. It's not an issue of the church going, oh, it's a money church. Mm -mm. This is a school for us. This is a school that God... I've, I've tried to cheat in my early years of being a Christian, try to cheat on the tithing thing. And God showed me quickly. He says, I can dry up things just like that. I can dry it right up. Seriously. In fact... Haggai says, when you don't do what's right, he puts holes in your pocket. While you're getting money, you're going like, where did all of this go? I'm telling you, God can do more with the 10% you give, and you can do more with the 90% that you have left over if you just listen to God today. Some of you are going like… What was that number we're supposed to text right now? And let me just go ahead and make sure I get this right. See, bothered, this word bothered in 2 Samuel is such a strong word for such a small offense. that The word actually means to be killed, slaughtered, shot, smitten, struck down. And I want to go, whoa, 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 oh God. That's a little much for a little piece of fabric. How about a little, like, little tinge? How about use the word tinge or a little poke. God goes, it's slaughtered, wounded, smitten. I want you to understand how God begins to go after this. I, I re, it's, it's the, this is what I've learned. The less I respond to being bothered, the less I become bothered by the Holy Spirit. Or God's voice is silenced by ignoring it. His voice gets silenced by ignoring it. A few years ago, I was, we were being served communion on a Tuesday night. And I can't even remember what the offense was. But a little before service, I was short with Cindy. And I remember holding that cup in my hand, trying to rationalize with God. Well, I wasn't yelling. it was just short. And God says, don't put that communion in your mouth until you get out there and you apologize to her. And I was sitting on stage. I looked at the worship leader. I said, keep playing. And I walked down there and I said, I am so sorry. If I, I listen, if I put that communion in my mouth without apologizing to you, I was wrong. I was bothered by the edge. It was just a little comment. It was just a little comment. It was, it was, I'm just telling you folks, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's so important because edge cutting presents itself to us every single day. That's why the voice of the Holy Spirit must be present every single day in our lives. Let me say that again. We are faced with edge cutting every single day. That's why the voice of the Holy Spirit has to be present every single day. (laughs) Tozer went on to say, "An an honest man is strange when he's among dishonest men, but it's a good kind of strangeness. When people look at you and what are you apologizing? I've been like that. I've apologized to door to, to people holding a door, to waiters, to everyone. And, and I've apologized to Delta agents. I've apologized to everyone you could ask. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm short. Sure they're going like, what are you talking about? What are you? It's strange when you start doing that. Because what you're doing is you're doing something that people have never heard before. When you say, I'm sorry for acting this way. You know what you're doing? You're hoisting up integrity and saying, I don't need a trophy and I don't need a free iced tea. I just want to be right with God every single time is what I want to do. But here's the second thing. Let me just ask this. Can you just do, let me just be really honest with you today. Look at me for a second. I want to be really honest. Those online, are you hearing this today? Okay. Are you still with me today? Okay. All right. Just stay with me because I'm real. There's, there's life here. Number two, respond to conviction instead of waiting for consequences. Respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit instead of waiting for consequences, what do you mean, Pastor Tim? Big apologies come from being caught. That's because there's evidence. Let me say that again. When people have to apologize big, it's because there was evidence. Look at this bill. look at this. Look at this. All right, I shouldn't have taken the money out. I should have told you I went to the ATM. Get it. Big apologies come from being caught. Small apologies come from conviction. It's the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I appreciate small apologies because I'm going They get they're They're being it's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It should happen in a marriage. It should happen in all that we do. Big apologies is usually from consequences, evidence, small apologies from sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, because you have to ask yourself, what makes you stop? What makes you stop conviction or being caught? See, conviction is an internal alarm system telling you that there is an intruder. Embarrassment will make you stop too late. Embarrassment, if embarrassment is your alarm, it's too late. It needs to be the conviction of those. Let me explain to you like this. Okay, you'll, you'll get this. What do they call that thing on your ceiling that's always beeping because you didn't change the batteries and it's always beeping? What is that called? A smoke alarm, exactly. They don't call it a fire alarm because it's too late. If, if it only detects fire, Then forget about it. You're about to meet Jesus at that point right there. That's why they don't call it a fire detector. Fire detector. I don't need that. Fire detector means hi, Jesus. That's what that means. Smoke detector means I can take care of it before it turns into a fire. That's what conviction is. It's a smoke alarm that catches it before the fire comes. It's the internal smoke detector that says, don't finish that statement. It's the internal smoke detector. It says, don't, don't tell that joke. Don't start that joke or that story. It'll compromise who you are. It's staying in tune with the Holy Spirit. that says, don't get too close to that man or woman on the job. You're getting close to a line. This, they're married or don't be careful of doing those kind of things. Folks, listen to me today. I know this is very sensitive. Christianity today began to give some new statistics on even pornography in the church. And this is what it said. 68% of men in the church are viewing pornography. 68%. And it says that the largest percentage is 12 to 17. Think of what Grant and Stan and Natasha and Emily are leading as we're leading 212. Let me tell you when I read that statistic, what it did to me was this. That means the next group that are about to get married in the church are already in bondage. That's what that means. They're going into marriage in bondage. Folks, look at me. Marriage is hard enough. But to bring bondage into it, now we have a real issue. Listen to me, young man. Listen to me. What bondage could be avoided if you hear the smoke detector, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that little edge that maybe you saw something go, stop, let me confess Let me talk to my roommate. Let me talk to my pastor. Let me talk to my youth leader. Let me talk to my connect group leader so I can begin to deal with this issue. Because if God can trust you, this is what I think for David. I want to say this statement. You're not going to see it on the screen. Because if God can trust you not to cut the edge of a robe, he can trust you with putting a robe on you. Let me say that again. If God can trust you from not cutting someone else's robe, then he can trust you by putting a robe on you to doing exactly what God's called you to do. Think of this, it's counting the cost. I read the story of a ship owner whose company needed money and had regular routes, but they weren't coming in all the time from California to Columbia. And one day shortly before leaving California, some drug smugglers came to him and offered him $500,000 to allow a small shipment of drugs to go on his ship. He quickly said, no, no. On his next three trips, they kept the offer kept being raised more and more to like hit $3 million. He hesitated and said, maybe. He contacted immediately the FBI and a sting operation was set up, arrested all the smugglers and, the cart- and all the people that were associated with the cartel on the state side. And one of the FBI agents asked this U.S. captain, why did you wait until they got to $3 million before you contacted us? His reply is classic. He says they were getting too close to my price. Thank God. Thank God. He responded. It was the smoke detector, the smoke detector, the smoke detector before the fire alarm goes off. Oh, God, let us respond to conviction and not wait until consequences show up. Oh, God, let us deal righteously and honestly with little things because big things are not far if we don't deal with. And let me just finish with this. You're going to understand this when I read what Jesus says. Stuff, and this is the final thing, musicians come. Stuff always gets to the roof. Now let me explain what that is. Jesus said this. He says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And then he says this. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And whatever you have whispered in the ear of an inner room will be proclaimed from the roofs. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying this. Everything eventually goes public. What he was saying was this: stuff always goes public. The roof means it's out in the open. The rooftop means is when people know. No matter what you whisper and what you say, God goes, it comes out. It always comes out. It always comes out. That's why I want to yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I was reading the story of Theater Icon, New York Theater Icon and composer many, many years ago, Oscar Hammerstein. Sound of Music and My Fair La- all these. He said he saw the top of the Statue of Liberty for the very first time from a helicopter. And he said the viewpoint was magnificent. And he saw, he said, all the intricate detail that had been sculpted on Lady Liberty's head from their hair to her crown and all the little angles and all the little cuts which no one would ever see. And Hammerston said this. He said, I got to thinking that that sculptor must have realized no one will ever see the top of the Statue of Liberty's head because no helicopters existed when he did it. But he spent the same kind of detail and care and craftsmanship on top of her head as he did on the bottom where everybody else could see it. And little did he know that someday someone would see it from above. Think of those words. Someday someone would see it from above. Someone would be looking down. You couldn't notice that when you're chiseling it. But someday there would be a helicopter that would be up high. Someday it would be up. And folks, I have to tell you this is that this is why we walk for God because people forget it's not a helicopter. There is a God in heaven who's alive. There is a God in heaven that i am tell you on the good part is this. If you're sitting here today, I want to tell you something. God in heaven, he sees you, he loves you, and he cares about you. He does. And so when you feel conviction, conviction is protection. Conviction is God going, I love you so much. That's why you feel what you feel right now. Some of you are feeling conviction right now. Because there is someone above God who loves you. It's not God wanting. It's God not wanting you to take a step out of this sanctuary until you address the most important question. Remember what we said? You can't. The worst thing to happen is if you feel that uncomfortableness or bothered going like, God, why is this thing going on? It's God saying, don't take another step out until we deal with this today. Let's get things right with God today. Let's get things right with God today. Let God begin to come and do it. It's his protection. Because that's really the, the most important question is you're feeling it today. Have you gotten things right with God from above? And today could be that day. You can get things right from him. And the way you get things right with God today, remember, for those that don't know God, today is a day of salvation for you. And for those that do know God, today is a day that goes, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want God to speak to me. And if you're sitting in this place and you're feeling, you're going, God, what what is this pull? What is this thing that's happening? It's God calling you. And I'm here to tell you today, don't step out of this place without the opportunity because I'm going to give it to you right now to get right with him today. Those that are watching online, this is the moment. This is a moment for you to decide, even those that are watching from all over the world, those that are watching from Peru, those that are watching from Colombia, those that are watching from St. Lucia, those that are watching from the Philippines, this is the moment, this is the time to, to decide, to decide, I want to get right with God today. And if that's you online or you're in the sanctuary, I just want you online, I want you to get ready to type the word decided, even in the chat line and say, I want to get this right with God. I want, I want my heart to be right with God. See, that relationship is called being born again. That's what the relationship is. See, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Now, here's the part I want you to feel conviction. Christians, this is not the time to look for your keys and for your parking receipt for the Hampton Inn right now. I, I, you got caught in Jesus' name right now. Close your purse put your wallet back in because you know what your job is right now is to pray because this is the moment people are being are being changed from going to hell to going to heaven today and folks you can wait a few more people in line but that line is big but hell is hot and hell is long let's get as many people to heaven as we can so before you rush out of here this is your moment. Soon as you hear me say that word born again, immediately you go, okay, God, right now. This person on the right and on the left. Who, you may be sitting next to them. God, just touch them right now. God, do a work inside of them. That born again is such an important word. What Jesus was saying was this. Just as you had a first birth, this is Jesus speaking. It's not a Times Square Church word. Just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth Spiritually. Physically, many of you were born in the hospital. But spiritually, maybe you've never experienced before. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Tim. I was, I was baptized in water. That's great, but that's not what Jesus said. Well, I've taken communion. That's great, but that's not what Jesus said. Well, Pastor Tim, I've been a good person. I haven't hurt anyone. I haven't been cutting robes lately. I haven't taken anybody's, and no discounts. Not from this point on, no more discounts at Macy's. Let me just tell you something right now. That's good, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, here it comes in John 3, 7, you must be born again. That's what he said. So if he said must, don't make it optional. Okay, you ready for this? If anybody knows how to get to his own home, it's Jesus. And he knows better than you. Because if the question is this, how do you get to heaven? Be a good person. Don't hurt anybody. Don't do this. That's your interpretation. Those aren't the directions of Jesus. No man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. That's what Jesus said. How does that happen? Here it comes, quickly. A, admitting I'm a sinner. It's admitting that all of us are broken on the inside. We have a condition called sin. I don't need a second chance. I need a second birth. B, believing that God sent his son to become my sin bearer. That God sent a son not to simply die on a cross and then tell me, do better. no, 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 no. He told me in the condition I'm in, he loves me, You ready for this? Just the way I am, however, loves me so much, he wouldn't leave me in that condition. He wants to change me. Jesus dying on the cross, he died the death I was supposed to die. He lived the life I couldn't live and gave me a reward I don't deserve. It's called the grace of God. It's believing that it's what God did and see confessing him as Lord. Oh, that's the hard part. See, just to simply believe and show up on Sundays means you have revival without reformation or if you, have, you have, in a sense, belief without, without a, a reformation. It happens. To confess him as Lord says, God, you, I want the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want you to take all of me today. To confess him as Lord is not God just going, come to church on Sundays and let me talk to you for 90 minutes. It's this. Talk to me every day, Holy Spirit. I want everyone in this place to close your eyes and bow your head. We're gonna be done in the next three minutes. If you're here today and you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, don't leave this place. You can walk out. You can walk out. I don't wanna walk out without peace. I don't wanna walk out without Jesus living in my heart. I don't wanna leave this place without God coming. Some of you, as David was bothered by an edge, some of you are sitting in the balcony. You're bothered by this sermon. Can I just tell you? that's good that's good it's god's conviction he says don't walk out until you deal with this don't walk out until you deal- i don't care whether you're i don't i don't if you're sitting at i don't care whether you play pro sports or whether you you live in the projects i don't care whether you're from the bronx or you're from the upper west side i don't care whether you're a ceo with a penthouse or whether you're living in government housing it doesn't matter god deals with all of us the same. I am a sinner and I need a savior today. And if you're here in this place and you're going, Pastor Tim, I want to respond to what I feel right now. God is speaking to my heart. I feel that conviction. I feel God saying, don't take a step until you deal with this. Come back to God today. Let God change you from the inside out. I want you to be born again today. And if that's you, I'm going to pray a born-again prayer for those online and for those that are here. And you're here today and say, I want to respond to that. Pastor Tim, I want to take this journey with God today. I'm not inviting you to be a member of a church, join a denomination. I'm not asking you to to be Protestant or Catholic or a Times Square church person. I'm asking you to be a son and a daughter of the living God, the King of Kings today. And before you leave this place, if you say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born-again prayer, I want to be part of it. I want to be include me in that prayer today. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and say, put me in that prayer, Pastor Tim, I want to start a journey with God today. I feel that conviction. I feel that bothersome edge that right now that God says, deal with it. If that's you, before you do anything else, without any hesitation, I want you all over this place. Just hold your hand up. Say, put me in that prayer today. Hold your hand up as high as you can, because I want to make sure that I see every hand. Hold them up high. Hold them up high, because I want to make sure that I see them. There's one. There's two, keep them up. There's three back there. There's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Keep them up. 16, 17, got you over there. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I wanna make sure we hit every single person that's up. 26, got you over there. That's fantastic. You could put your hands down. Thank God for all of you that raised your hand. And those that are watching online, I just want you to type the word decide right now. Type the word decide. I'm making that decision right now. Here, I want all of us to stand together. Come on, all of us to stand together. And I want God to do something special in this place today. Come on. Let's all pray this together. Can we say this out loud together? Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, my guilt and you died for it you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father today Lord Jesus I turn from my sin to be born again okay come on let's say this together God is my father Jesus is my Savior The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.